0: could private sean benton have been suffering from undiagnosed adhd a retention deficit hyperactivity disorder in the last week of evidence at Woking coroner's court both the deep cut doctor alexander mcclenaghan and the psychiatrist andrew gillam have given their accounts of meetings that they had with sean 23 years ago little was known about adhd and mr gillam said that if they'd known then what they know now Well, things might have been very different for the young Sean. I'm Kyle Ark, and along with fellow journalist Barry Kevens, we're here to bring you all the latest from the evidence inside the coroner's court.
1: This is Deep Cut, The Inquest
0: so Barry joins me now um, Barry now the main uh, the, there's been several witnesses in the past week uh, despite the uh, the inclement weather that uh, we were experiencing uh, in Woking um, but uh, probably the main points of interest really were the evidence from the, the doctor and the psychiatrist let's talk uh, just briefly about the, the doctor first Alexandra McLenahan. Um what did she have to say?
1: Well what she had to say was uh, about Sean was pretty limited because she only ever saw him once and she couldn't remember anything about that meeting at all because she was a very busy woman at the camp um, I mean she said that at some, at some points, uh it was standing room only in her waiting room but what she did say was that had she been better informed had the follow up been a bit more conscientious then uh, she would have been able to do more for Sean or she would have liked to have done more for him.
0: It sounded very much as though there was a, almost a sense of, of regret that she hadn't known more, that she hadn't been able to help, even though she didn't really remember him.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she she said that she wished that she'd been able to do more, and she was mindful of the fact that she could have done, and that is something that's bothered her over the last 20-odd years.
0: Mm. And the psychiatrist, um, he also uh, gave evidence uh, over the last week. Um, Now, he did an assessment on Sean in in February, uh, about three and a half uh, months or so before he died, and then also um, in the April. Now, what did we learn about... We've heard a fair bit in the evidence so far about Sean's, uh, the state of his mental health, but what did we learn from the psychiatrist that we didn't know before?
1: What we learned from him that we didn't know before is that he agrees with the new... Assessments of the new reports that have been compiled for the, for the second inquest which suggest that Sean may have had uh, an undiagnosed psychological condition, he may have had attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and this may have been emerging in 1995 so we know that uh, at the time the, the psychiatrist's assessment was that he had an immature personality and that he may struggle with army life but had no identifiable, diagnosable mental illness.
0: Do you think in, in some respects that's because over the the intervening 23 years a lot more has been learnt just by society and by the medical profession in terms of ADHD um, not not least by the military in, in terms of, of those diagnoses and it's a much more commonly recognised and, and diagnosable illness now isn't it?
1: Yeah the doctor said that himself um, he said that it's it's now recognised as being much more prevalent in adulthood than than was previously recognised. So, uh, yeah, he said that himself.
0: And did he give any indication in terms of what they might have been able to do had that been diagnosable at the time?
1: Well, I think that's that's one of the main problems. Is is uh, you know the doctor McLennan herself said that even if all of these things had been identified and recognised at the time. There weren't the resources there to do much about it anyway.
0: Because they were so understaffed and...
1: And budgets were constrained and... I and
0: mean, we've had welfare welfare meetings were, were cut and that kind of stuff because of the, the the, budgetary constraints, haven't we? So there were things that even they may have been able to do at the time that, that had been already cut.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Dr McLennan said that they'd previously had uh, regular welfare meetings and they stopped around the time of all the, the big changes that were going on at the camp. The Options for Change report, which seriously cut back on Ministry of Defence spending, um, and then the merging of the, of the different units into the RLC and single-entry uh, training, which meant that um, all ages and both sexes were trained together.
0: we were being trained together for the first time, and that's, it's, it's, it's sort of easy to forget that. Now in this day and age, isn't it? But actually, there were huge changes going on in terms of the army and, and trainees and recruits at that time. um And obviously, a lot of those were talked about in the Cheryl James inquest, and they're being revisited just to some extent in, in Sean Benton's inquest.
1: Yeah, obviously for but- Cheryl, it was it was impactful because she was being trained alongside men, for th- and that was the first time that had happened. And with Sean, it's
0: and, and that was part of why Dr. Alexander McClanahan's surgery was as busy as it was because of some of the issues that had arisen as a result of teenage girls and, and young women training alongside the men.
1: Well, yeah, she also said that, it, that she thought that there were people who just wanted to get out of what they were being asked to do or being told to do or ordered to do. You know, as we know, there were people who, who spent their days hiding in cupboards and uh, under sinks, and there were others who would make their way to... Um, the
0: medical centre and others swapping off guard duty to to not do the duties that they were they were scheduled to be doing. Now it's it's becoming fairly clear that there does seem to be a a lot of agreement and common ground between the family and and the MOD within this case.
1: Uh, well, we already know that the the forensic experts are in broad agreement, or the pathologists are in broad agreement, and there seems to be a fair bit of. Consensus about Sean's mental state at the time, as well, up to a point, of course. I mean, an inquest is supposed to be inquisitorial and not adversarial in the uh, in the way that you would have a, that a trial would be one side against the other. So, uh, yeah, it's there's agreement up to a point, I think.
0: And pathology, largely from what we have gathered so far, is is agreed between the two sides as well.
1: Yeah, all except for wound three, which um, I'm sure we'll hear a lot about. Which
0: we're yet to get to in yeah, in, in terms of the evidence that's to come uh, in, in the next week or two, really, isn't it? Now, what else is yet to come? I mean, we have heard uh, pretty much nothing, really, from, from Surrey police so far, have we? Um, and we haven't heard from um, the interested parties um, within the inquest either. So uh, quite a lot of... Um, key points, really, to come over the coming week. still.
1: Well, we had the first IP on Friday, that's Dr. McLennan. And this week we will have the two people who drove up to the tennis courts and were there when uh, Sean was was shot. So uh, that'll be Tuesday and Wednesday this week. So I would expect that'll be fairly dramatic stuff and should tell us a lot more.
0: About what actually happened in those those last few moments, yeah.
1: The rest of this week... I'm not sure. I think we might have... Wednesday might run over into Thursday, and then Thursday and Friday, I'm not sure who we're going to get, but next week we've got a break, and then after that we'll be straight back into it with
0: uh, with more IPs. And more of the experts as well in terms of the, the ballistics and, and that kind of side. Of
1: from the 150 witnesses, we've still got quite a lot to hear from.
0: And we will kind of get more, I guess, as well. What we haven't really had too much of so far is actually what happened after sean died we have heard about the uh trainees who were asked to go and uh, clear up the area where he died um but we haven't heard much else really have we about the aftermath
1: i think this week is going to be um it could be fairly hard i mean because it's going to be reliving the actual shooting over and over and over again um, so that, that that's going to be that's going to be pretty tough, I think, for everybody in the room. And then when we do go on to what happened after, I mean, you're talking about immediately after, so it'll be the emergency services, the first responders, and and then you know it was because it was early in the morning. Uh, there's no kind of delay. There's no gap. So as soon as things start to happen, it keeps on going. There's no keeps yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, this week is going to be... You're just going to hear about the shootings over and over and over again.
0: And it has, um, it's fair to say, been a little bit quieter in the courtroom. Um, the family haven't been there for every day of evidence um, over the last week or so. And uh, there've been, um, there's, there's just been a lot less people in court. But I think uh, it's fair to say that we can expect... The courtroom to be very busy again for this week's evidence.
1: Yeah, I mean Sean's Sean's sister was there on Friday, and uh, yeah, we'll. I think there'll be a lot. There'll be more people this week. Yeah,
0: and it has. I mean, it's sort of something that we've talked about, sort of away from the recording as well. Is is about actually how apparent those people that have given evidence who were Sean's peers and who were trainees around the time, whether they knew Sean or not, that those who have given their evidence, the number of them that have clearly still carried those scars well into their adulthood, you know, a lot of them are in their early mid-40s now and are still, it's very apparent, isn't it, when they are giving evidence, many of them, just how damaged they are from many of them from their time served at Deep Cut.
1: Yeah we talked before about how um, noticeable it was how many people had had physical injuries during their training as an aside but it's also quite apparent how many people have lasting mental injuries or mental uh, scars from their time there as well. So many people seem to have been touched and affected by not just their time there but but what happened to other people there
0: well it's definitely going to be uh, an interesting week of evidence and uh, and we will catch up and discuss more uh, in a week's time just before the uh, just as the court goes on a, on a week's break thanks a lot We'll be updating this podcast weekly and you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. We'll be discussing the main points of evidence from the past week and we're interested in hearing from you if you served at Deep Cut and if you knew Sean Benton. Do follow us to keep up to date on all the main points of evidence from Woking Coroner's Court.
1: Deep Cut. The Inquest.